Welcome to the Taiwanese Diaspora Podcast, where we use personal storytelling to connect people of Taiwanese heritage from all around the world. I am Cynthia, and I'm excited to use this podcast platform as a way to explore what it means to be Taiwanese X. This is episode 31。大家好，欢迎收听台湾人网络广播。我是阿秀，用这个平台来跟华侨华裔的台湾人聊他们的生活过程和未来的梦想。I'm so excited to welcome Cherry Lynn to the show today. She is going to tell us about growing up in Thailand, Switzerland, and Amsterdam. She speaks four and a half languages, the half being Dutch, which is where she is now. So stay tuned if you want to hear more about what it's like dating in Amsterdam, what the Christmas traditions are, and between when we spoke for our interview in November and the release of this episode at the end of December, Cherry just launched her cooking website and it is geared towards students and anyone who's learning how to cook and adult for the first time. So check it out. The link is s-t-u-c-i-p-e dot l-i-v-e. Let us know how you enjoy it. We're really excited. Congratulations, Cherry. 今天很高兴欢迎Cherry来给我们讲她在泰国、瑞士跟荷兰长大的一些经验。她现在差不多二十岁，会讲四点五个语言，包括英文、国语、台语、泰国话跟荷兰话。然后我们今天聊的题目是
who traveled a bunch in my 20s and mm-hmm. haven't gotten to in the last three years. I am really excited to talk with you. Well, where do you want to start? I don't know. Uh, I've been listening to some of your episodes and um, I really liked the part where people kind of talk about their background. Yeah, actually, so let's start with where you're calling from or where you're based right now. So I'm in Amsterdam right now in the Netherlands. And yeah, unfortunately, I'm not able to fly back for Christmas or for the summer. So even though everything's online right now, I'm a university student studying my bachelor's. I'm not able to travel. So I'm stuck in Amsterdam for now. When you say fly back, what do you mean? Fly back to either Bangkok or Taiwan, which are places that we go every summer or winter just to see family and stuff. So I think that's a really good segue if you want to (laughs) start with where you grew up. So my mother, she, her and my dad were working in Thailand already when they had me, when she was pregnant and then flew back to Taiwan just to give birth. So I was actually born in Taiwan. Then after a month, I think I, that was my first flight to Thailand. I uh, was apparently a really good flyer. <laughs> then we, we uh, moved around in Thailand a little bit from somewhere around the, the west to um, Kaltwohin, somewhere around there to, to the east, which is like a more beach kind of area called Pattaya. And then we settled down in Bangkok for about seven years, I would say. Um, there, my, my, the reason why my parents moved to Thailand, the first place is because my grandfather's family moved to Thailand and he just started working there and the family, my dad's siblings graduated there. My dad was the only one left in Taiwan. So he, um, at a very young age, he was also quite, um, independent. And I think that also was why he was he was okay with moving to Europe and having my family also kind of have the same upbringing. Yeah, in Bangkok, I was there for 10 years in total. Then we decided to move to Europe. <laughs> I, I was very young, so I was upset, but I just, I, I didn't really have like the, the concept of, oh, we're actually moving to another continent. You know, Bangkok weather's just really warm all year, and which didn't even register to me that I'm moving to a to Switzerland, which is a a place that's snowy all winter. And yeah, we moved to uh, Switzerland. I moved with my mother to Switzerland in Bern, and my dad moved to Germany somewhere in the south called Freiburg. And we were there for three and a half years. And that was that was really cool. It was just from such a, a warm and Asian culture to just being kind of isolated with just me and my parents in Europe. We have no family here in Europe. So it was just like a whole new experience for all of us. Even though my, my dad lived in Paris for a year to study his master's, it was all new for us. So that was that was really cool. There, as a party trick, I always say that I, I went to the same school as Kim Jong-un. 
because <laughs> which you know is, is a little unique i went to this really small school in Bern, and apparently he was also there and yeah some of the teachers that taught him also taught me and yeah this is just you know extra detail but <laughs> so then yeah we were there for three and a half years I traveled back and forth to see my dad on weekends. He would drive down to Switzerland to see us. And then we decided to move to the Netherlands, Amsterdam. And we've been here ever since. That's so awesome. <laughs> I can't even imagine moving around so much as a young kid. How did you deal with food or language or childhood friends? So, yeah, I feel like... As a fat kid, I was always very curious with food. And that's also why I think I re I developed my Thai language really quick because I had nannies when I was a kid and I needed food and I, I like really was really interested. So I, I think that's how I learned my Thai <laughs> with my nannies. And, but yeah, I think food wise, I, I think I'm very open with a lot of different types of food I was always you know whatever's on my, my plate I'll just eat it so that I don't think that was a problem I think now much more for a problem for my parents because I'm like quite open with food and they just they hate it when I come up with an idea like maybe we should make some I don't know cool dishes from the Middle East or something and they're just they're from you know the previous generation which really enjoy having Asian food and not really going out of that boundary sometimes. And I just keep on pushing that a little bit. But with friends, I think it was difficult as I, I was in Bangkok for seven years, developed some good friendships, but I was only 10 after all. I think most of my friendships now stems from the middle school it comes from middle school and so I don't, I don't think friendship was a big problem <laughs> what sort of school did you go to growing up in Bangkok I went to the Thai Chinese International School which is why I still have some of my Mandarin language speaking skills wait tell us more about that so you learn Thai and Chinese yeah, it was a Thai, Chinese, and English school. We learned math, science, all of those in English, but then we were forced to, to learn Mandarin and Thai. At one point, we were yeah forced to, to learn Thai, which I had a very upsetting memories about because Thai is not a very easy language. And I remember living on the 27th floor in my condo and I... I like just hated writing the Thai homework. I just started crying and my dad came over. He was like, what's up? And I just said, like, I hate Thai. And I crumbled my homework and I tried to sneakily throw it away off my balcony, but it just it didn't work. Right now, I regret not learning Thai, but at the same time, like I was just, you know, a kid that just didn't want to learn. <laughs> I find it so fascinating, uh, like language learning from... <laughs> from different places. So then mm -hmm. was there a significant Chinese population in the part of Thailand that you lived? Yeah. So my, my school had, I would 
argue quite a big proportion of Taiwanese students. And so I usually just hung out with them. Yeah, so Mandarin was my mother tongue at that point. So I would say that I grew up with a, quite a, a large population of Taiwanese people around me in Thailand. So you talked about your parents going there to work um, and your grandfather mm-hmm. having gone there to work. What sort of job opportunities did the Taiwanese, I guess, immigrants do in Thailand? Yeah, my, my grandfather, he, um, he's a carpenter. And so I, I think he moved there for the same job that he has now, which is building um, tables and um, kids' uh, equipment and all those things. And yeah, I think that's where it started. That's really cool. So then, okay, so then you did the Thai Chinese English program when you were in Thailand, mm-hmm. and then you moved to Europe. Yes. I imagine there probably weren't Chinese programs in Europe. No, not at all. It was, I basically stopped my Mandarin at Xiaosi, the level of just even I think Sixia. So that was that was quite an accomplishment at the point at that point. <laughs> and it just stopped there in Switzerland. I had I had my piano teacher was actually Taiwanese, but that's to the extent of my Mandarin speaking in that country. So my Mandarin basically Kaitong,是Hai 对啊就是我的程度还是从小四开始的那个程度对啊就从那个在从阿姆斯特丹这里开始又开始学了中文对现在我们在讲欧洲的生活那你觉得你到了欧洲你去上什么样的学校然后你认识了什么样的人啊这
。对，所以我觉得在欧洲长大的的这这个环境的这个是还蛮特别的。对，你上了这些国际学校，所以可能就认识到很多国际学生。那你觉得你的朋友之间有没有说当地的那些像瑞士的人或是德国的人？嗯，对我我其实，呃，欧洲朋友比亚洲朋友多，对，因为我觉得说，嗯，对啊，这这也找其实找不带到台湾的同学，可能就只有一两个吧。但是欧洲的同学大部分都是荷兰人，因为我现在住在荷兰嘛。那之前在瑞士住的时候，其实有还蛮多美国的同学的。然后，所以就是跟他们还是有一些联系，对。但是我觉得搬来阿姆斯特丹荷兰的时候，觉得那个区分真的还蛮大的。因为我在我的我的年级里面，其实有还蛮多的日本人的。然后不知道可是不是我们年级的那种 dynamic， 或是因为他们自己觉得说，呃。他们想要就是 stick with each other， 所以很多呃日本人他们自己是有一个就组一个像 click 这样子，但是我自己觉得说，我跟日本人也不是很熟，<笑>也不会讲日文，然后我们班也没有很多亚洲人啊，所以我就选择去探索，去跟呃欧洲的同学就是 interact， 所以现在的。欧洲、欧美的这些同学现在比较比较要好。<笑>你跟欧洲朋友是讲什么语言？大部分都是讲英文。以前就是被逼迫着要学德文，所以以前是会讲一点点，但是现在都完全忘记了。法文也学了好几年，但是都没用，<笑>所以都是用英文在讲。那现在我其实是在学荷兰文，因为现在我在。开始要 apply 那个荷兰的国籍，我已经有考了几几几次试试了，然后，所以现在的程荷兰文的程度是可以听，但是有可能不会懂。来，请慢慢来 ，That's really cool. What? <laughs> your parents are very adventurous. Yeah, that's really awesome. So, 你说你。平常暑假跟寒假都是回台湾或是回泰国，那今年就不行。那你打算要怎么过节？啊、嗯哦，我也不知道。我们我跟我的室友已经开始 decorate 我们的树了。<笑>哦，你们已经有买圣诞树了？没有，我们家有一个假的一棵不知道是什么样的树，我们就买了一些那个球，然后就把它放，已经就已经开始在。在 decorate 我们的我们的 apartment 了。这个 December 这个暑寒假就没办法回去。OK， 那你给我们讲一下说，在欧洲、嗯，因为每个国欧洲的国家可能有不同的方式庆祝圣诞节，或是庆祝嗯、um, 跨年这些东西，有没有遇到什么比较有趣的故事或是经验？嗯，所以我对我在阿姆斯特丹。呃，在荷兰其实就是有一个很像圣诞节的一个一个节日，就是叫做 Sinterklaas， 它是在也是在十二月，但是是五号。然后
故事是在四号的晚上，小朋友都要拿出他们的鞋子，把他们鞋子摆在家的外面，然后。呃，如果是你很好心的话，你可以去买一根胡萝卜，然后也放在鞋子的旁边或什么的。然后故事就是会有一个一位 Center Sense， 他就是像圣诞老公公一样的一个人物，他就会骑着马来你们家，然后就是给你们小礼物啊什么的。但他他给的礼物有，就是在当天你开的时候，很多在。呃，家里面都会有一些 spice cookies， 会有一些饼干啊，或是你要吃橘子，就那种 mandarin 小橘子，然后呃来庆祝这个节日。所以那个胡萝卜是给马的，然后<笑>你的鞋子里面就是有可能会有小礼物什么的。哇，好特别！对，就是他们庆祝。对，所以我们这这今年也是会会庆祝一下下，在家庭的这个的 environment 里面，他们会像 Secret Santa 一样的的一个方式来庆祝，就是他们会选一个人的名字，然后买一个东西给送给他。那那个包装是重点，因为包装是要是要包的有一个 hint， 是变成像一个 hint 说。这个是送给谁的礼物？然后在送的时候要读一一首诗，你写你写给那个那一位你要送的人的诗。What？ 对，这这是很多不同的 variety。对，哎<笑>、欸，那有你记不记得以前的诗有，比如说这 haiku or， 嗯、um, ，no， <笑> I can't um think of any right now。Yeah。因为你们家是亚洲人，你父母亲有没有说想要用亚洲的方式来庆祝这些不同样的节日，或是嗯，他们也有 assimilate into Western culture， or how did you do both？ 嗯，他们是完全没有在 care 的。<笑>呃，过年的时候，大过年的时候，也就是订的晚餐就会。年夜饭那一类的都会有，但是其实除了年夜饭跟过节的时候，就其他的都没有什么在庆祝，所以其实就是我自己在那边默默的庆祝了。<笑><笑>但是你是从比如说电视或是 like media or friends 是从哪里学来的这些 traditions？ 呃，因为就是在学校他们会当天就五号那一天，我有一些同学就会办一个。因为这个故事就是荷，就是荷兰的那个 Sins， 就是像 Santa Claus 的那一位人，他其实有很多帮手。那现在在荷兰其实有一个很大的 debate， 说需不需要这些帮手的这一些这个人物，因为这个故事的 history 历史就是说，这些帮手都是从非洲来的，然后所以他们呃每一年这些在。假扮成这些帮手的人，就是会在脸上涂黑色的那个 ink。对，就是现在，当然这个议题是很还蛮大的嘛。所以在阿姆斯特丹、在荷兰都是这个不知道说要不要再继续这个 tradition。所以这些帮手都会来来学校丢那种饼干啊，就真的是用丢的哦，<笑><笑>就丢给你啊，或是橘子啊那一类的。我记得好像有一有一年。
真的有一匹马在学校里面，所以对啊，哇哦，好特别哦。<笑>好啊，那你现在在大学上，你选什么 major？ 呃，我是心理系的 psychology。Right? How did you How did you pick this subject? Um, to be completely honest, I eliminated all the other subjects that I didn't like, <laughs> and then I had a couple left. Ranging between like arts and business, and then there's psychology, and I really didn't think that art was going to be, you know, a, a good option. So it was either business or psychology, and I felt like in the last year of my high school, I felt like this was a lot more interesting. As I definitely watched too much Netflix and all these, you know, crime documentaries. And I just felt like this was so much more interesting and less touched upon in my culture, in our culture. So I felt like this was more valuable. And I definitely think that the way that I was brought up was、um, a factor, as I think that I personally can see the difference between how Asian. Culture think and how Western culture think, and I just wanted to learn more about both and like just the underlying mechanisms between the two cultures and in general. I think individuals we don't even understand that enough to let alone do all the things that we're doing right now, like technology. We don't. We need to know how we work in order to build things like robots to improve our lives. So I think that was a big factor. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. I've been going into the little rabbit hole of reading about this.、I、find it to be really fascinating.、Mm -hmm. In the same way, you're talking about like Eastern and Western mindsets and、yeah. expectations.、Mm -hmm. Are there specific ones you want to highlight or that were surprising to you, or maybe not so surprising? Um. Yeah, I would say that I'm studying a, a course about happiness right now, and this is just a very like basic thing. But the concept of happiness didn't even exist in like years, centuries ago, and I think it was the Americans that started really advertising the smiley face or really saying that a childhood should be happy and. I thought that was so interesting because then it puts, it started putting pressure on parents to make sure that that's the case, and that became the norm, which I, I'm not, I I don't know. I feel like in Asia that wasn't like as popular back then. Then you know, if if like there's an origin to a smiley face that Americans invented and was so. Was heavily advertised in everything, basically. So I I thought that was so interesting, that like just a smiley face or even smiling in pictures and projecting the idea that happiness is what people should strive for, because that wasn't the case in back in the days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you take that to an extreme, have you heard of toxic positivity? No, I don't know much about it. It's a、uh, little rabbit holes, but. I think one of the major things I've learned through this course of discovery is all emotions are valid. 
there aren't yeah like bad emotions or you know etc yeah the extreme is like some people would say well can't you just be happy forget about it let it go it's like in the past right but I think yeah without fully processing it you're just sort of ignoring the feelings mm-hmm. and emotions are supposed to be roadmaps to tell you yeah you know be curious about what's going on in your inner world yeah, for and sure. so toxic positivity is this term that's sort of like basically ignoring the feelings part and just pretending that everything is okay or like trying to convince yourself that everything is fine yeah yeah I don't know if I'm putting it in the right terms or not but if, no, or no, if that's no. like um, the exact definition um <laughs> yeah I think that I I totally agree with that and I see so much of that in I'm not really trying to generalize but I have a feeling that this toxic positivity seems a lot more prominent in Eastern culture. Whereas in the Netherlands, for example, I personally have psychology friends that are so also still very um, afraid of admitting to themselves that they're so they're unhappy that like especially now in the uh, with this uh, virus going on I feel like so many people are trying to say that they're not okay and but it's it's so important to just to really go through your emotions and I think that the best one of the best advice I got was that there's no way of just stepping over the problem but you really have to go through it and feel all the emotions that you need to feel and then that's when you can really get over something. I don't know if that was clear or not. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I would love to hear more about Amsterdam as a city. Mm -hmm. I read a little bit about how it's one of the most bike-friendly cities in the world. Yeah. It's very egalitarian. Tell us more. (laughs) Yeah, the the bike friendliness is definitely the case. Even the prime minister is a a fan of biking in the city. Um, I think it's it's a blessing, but also, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit scary. The bikers in Amsterdam are quite, uh, I, I can't put a word to it. They're just very, they're like cars. They, they don't really care about pedestrians, <laughs> especially tourists that come. They, this one time I was just trying to avoid this crowd of tourists. And I ended up in in between tram tracks and my wheels were just stuck in the tram tracks. And it was so embarrassing because then I felt like I was a tourist falling. And yeah, but biking in town is the best way to commute, the cheapest. And everyone bikes here. But the downside also is that your bike is uh, very easily stolen everywhere. My bike got stolen within two days. <laughs> of me having it in Amsterdam. And yeah, so stealing bikes is a big thing here. Throwing bikes in the canals is also a big thing here. I read about that. and It was like an American guy who loved bikes, went to Amsterdam and just started writing about the history of bike culture. Cool. They have to dig out the canal and they just have hundreds of bikes that are then like recirculated into the city. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that is a thing. And a lot of people like swimming in the canals. So I'm not really sure how how that works with bikes on the ground. But, you know, 
Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> what are some of your favorite Dutch cuisine or Dutch food? Um, can you say一个面包里面一片鸡子跟一片火腿就这样子那边有没有什么亚洲的餐厅或是<笑> 跟家人会就是有时候会去去住在城市里面的时候就会过去绕过去去拜一个拜然后去那边吃饭对但这里的中国餐厅是有但是选择没有非常的多对所以是吃得到的<笑> So maybe some other stereotypes about Amsterdam I don't know if I'm getting this right Maybe I'm getting it confused with a different European city <laughs> Is like the clubbing scene. A lot of people would say that this is a, a kind of a party city just because weed in this country is legal. And um, another stereotype is no, not a lot of people smoke weed that much to that extent. Coffee shops are legal for people to go in, smoke and all that. You, you smell weed on the streets, for sure. But, yeah, it's not an absurd amount of people just, you know, smoking. <laughs> but what's funny is that uh, when we had a lockdown, the coffee shops were actually very popular because people wanted to stock up on their weed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I guess I'm contradicting myself. But in general, they're, they're okay. Yeah. I'm curious about dating in Europe. Mm -hmm. It's very casual here. Very casual. I actually wrote a paper that's published somewhere on my friend's website that's talking about Tinder and how toxic Tinder is because I've, I've read so many studies about how people that are in a relationship are continuing to use these online dating apps for I don't know for what reasons. And I, I found out that it could be because people are more narcissistic. These people, either they're afraid of being single, so they keep on giving themselves like alternatives as to maybe if this one doesn't work out, then the next one, you know, or just like it's, it's like a, a toxic cycle of, oh, I'm getting another match. So maybe I'm more attractive than my partner. And yeah, it's just a lot of factors that play in the dating app that just makes it kind of questionable. And um, yeah, my friends that read it, they feel like this is just something that's not really talked about. Dating apps in Amsterdam, I would say, is quite popular. A lot of people just, it, it's like a norm. And especially now, because you can't really go outside. People just swipe, and if I guess if you're brave enough, you meet up with this person. But yeah, 
So dating is quite, quite casual here. What's the COVID situation been like? So it's not great. <laughs> Definitely going through a second wave right now. We're only allowed to walk outside with one other person before it was four. I think museums, libraries are closed. Yeah, I think just you're only allowed two new guests over at your house per day. The reason why we're, we can't make people wear masks here is because of lawful um, restrictions. And they're working on that right now. But seeing as Taiwan is, you know, in another world basically right now, I feel like, you know, this country should maybe check out what we did <laughs> and implement that. What happens if you do wear masks outside or in stores? Definitely in before March, it would have been, are you okay? Like, do you need me to call the ambulance? This is like, you're actually at one point, you're not allowed to wear masks because of the terrorism going around in Europe. They just feel like that's a, you know, like a threat maybe. I'm not very sure on that, so please don't quote me. <laughs> but then it turned into a, okay, like you can wear masks and that's not weird, but you know, are you okay? To now people are not wearing masks when they should because of this preconception that you might seem weird or they just feel like it's really an atzak, you know? <laughs> I don't know if you know that saying, like, um, it just feels really claustrophobic. And even on trains, which are mandatory public transport, public transports that are um, mandatory to wear masks, people don't. And only now I see people calling each other out saying, like, that's not okay. So it's a very slow process in the mask industry situation right here. <laughs> but slow and steady, hopefully wins the race. So how are you taking care of yourself and those around you? I'm definitely very careful as my roommate, she has a condition which her is about her thyroid not producing enough hormones. And so that puts her in the risk group and she is just very careful as well. So, and I live with her. So I am therefore very careful with who I see. I usually only see my parents on weekends and occasionally some friends, but also at a distance. And yeah, it's just a very odd situation as I still see so many of my college friends that are partying when they shouldn't be. This, yeah, it's just, a weird situation and it puts me in a weird position to you know say no sometimes because they're not saying no and I'm getting more used to saying no and I'm okay with staying home talk about your art 我不知道有没有 talent 
做了一个 painting。其实我们在三月的时候就开始就定了一个拼图，我们拼完了之后，我们发现说我们的画框太大了，所以我们就在旁边就是涂鸦，把它就是放大嘛。所以昨天才才挂上去的。那对啊，就是在这个这个情况下，其实。做的事情也没有很多，<笑>所以就画画啊，我也很喜欢呃 baking 啊，就是做一些这件事情。Any last words? Um, no, I but I I do want to know more about you. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you situated right now, and how's the situation there? Yeah, I'm in Boston. Oh, cool. Yeah, Massachusetts. And I'd say, at least within the city, everyone wears masks on the street. Yeah, I haven't actually gone out that often. I've just kind of like popped in and out, or just kind of go for quick walks around my neighborhood. But a lot、mm-hmm. of the more popular stuff that you would do previously is like not really happening now. Yeah, and I was I have two really good friends that are in Boston right now, and they're saying how there's going to be. A curfew, or oh yeah, I think I saw a text about that. It's like nine thirty to five. You're not allowed to be outside unless you're an essential worker. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna enforce it though. I mean, technically, like anybody coming into the state is supposed to quarantine for fourteen days,、mm-hmm. but I don't think they're stopping you at the border or like on the highway or something. Yeah. Over late summer, restaurants are open for outdoor seating. Some restaurants are open for indoor seating, but they're doing like every other table. Oh okay. Same thing with like friends and stuff. You want to see them, and you go for socially distant walks, and then you can't have people over. Wow. And are you planning on flying back to Taiwan or、um, anywhere soon? I yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking. Say I, I、uh, broke my ankle last year around this time, and my sister was getting st- married in Taiwan, and so I couldn't go to her wedding, <laughs> and I was really、oh. really upset about it. <laughs> oh no. So yeah, I would love to do more travels. Yeah, it's a it's a weird time.、It、really is a weird time.、I、spent some time in Europe after college, and so it's been like over ten years now since I've been to Europe. Oh wow! Actually, that's not true. I went to Europe with my job from a couple years ago, but that was only for a couple days. <laughs> but I have this like romanticized view of what it would be like to live in Europe if I were. <laughs> Now that like internet is more popular, because when I was living in Spain, I didn't have internet in my apartment,、mm. and I didn't really have a smartphone either.、So、I had to like Google Map stuff like while I was at work, and then like go where the like metro would take me. And I didn't have a good command of Spanish, so it was just <laughs> a fun disaster. Wow. Yeah. Have you been to Amsterdam before? I have not. Switzerland or Germany? Yeah, so I I visited one or two cities in Germany, but really briefly for work. A friend of mine and I did a little train trip to Switzerland. That's so fun. You know, you can get the one week pass. Uh huh. Yeah, so we went to Grindelwald and went paragliding. I think it's called fun. And then we went to Geneva. We had a friend who was living there at the time, so we spent a night with her.、Um, and then I guess our flight was in and out of Zurich, so we kind of just like. We didn't know much about the history. We just kind of walked around the city center and tried to do some stuff out in the nature. That's so nice. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it really is. My best memory of Switzerland was just that every Friday we would go 
in winter, there's like a whole season where every Friday our school rents like a whole train for a day and the school and the teachers, some parents would go on it and we would go into the mountains and just ski and snowboard all day. And it was, it was the best thing of my school. Like that's like the highlight of my middle school. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we went skiing yeah. when there, somewhere around there too. There was like a fourth color in Europe. It's like green, blue, black. I think this mountain we went to also had a red. Oh, yeah. That's like in between blue and black, right? Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. But I was like, because I'm not at the time, I only snowboard, I didn't ski. But I tried skiing mm-hmm. that day and everyone's like, oh, like you can go down. I mean, I definitely didn't do a red, but I tried to do a blue and that was like horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah skiing is horrifying but it's it's so fun yeah (laughs) I ended up buying some skis two winters ago and I was gonna go more often but last year it wasn't Mm -hmm. done and this year we'll see if they open around here yeah oh but there was snow apparently oh yeah I saw one of your Halloween (laughs) like the day before Halloween it snowed and then it all melted by the next day (laughs) so bizarre (laughs) yeah and then today this weekend it's gonna be 70 degrees fahrenheit so i don't know what is that like 20 low 20s celsius maybe it's it's gonna be warm it's gonna be a t-shirt weather (laughs) global warming is a thing wow i'm super excited you reached out yeah no it was so great so an honor that you invited me and yeah i think this podcast is so so awesome i did not expect to to find something like this it's so great i definitely learned a lot more about the bridge between taiwanese and basically other any other country and yeah cool that a lot of the episodes that you have put out are about psychology as well i've listened to most of them oh cool (laughs) thank you i mean i feel like this is something I wish I had when I was growing up. Yeah. Hopefully something that's helpful to the the community. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Taiwan doesn't get a good representation on the global map often. Mm -hmm. And that gets even scarier with what's going on and, you know. Definitely. Yeah. We're getting a little bit of recognition from... Oh, from COVID, for sure. (laughs) For sure. For sure. (laughs) Well, I think if you ever want to start a podcast, I would love to hear more about life in Amsterdam. (laughs) Yeah, if you have any topics that you're interested in, and if I can contribute, then I would love to. Yeah. That was really awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Super nice to meet you. Good to meet you too, Cherry. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. And that's it for today. Please send me a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at T-W-D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A or shoot me an email. It's hello at TaiwaneseDiaspora.com. And if you or other people you know have stories that they'd like to share on this podcast, please send them my way as well. Some of you have asked about how to support the show. So if you are inclined, go to Coffee ko-fi.com slash t-w-d-i-a-s-p-o-r-a to donate. All right. See you next time.